one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Jesus was debating with the Sadducees. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Can we say it together? Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. He kind of viewed himself as right up there with the other guy. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is, the most, is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And, then no, and from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Now, it's more than just a saying. This is the greatest commandment. It is the best pursuit in human life. It is the instruction given by the one who created you. It is the goal of discipleship, to love God with all your being and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. What is your purpose in life? What is your goal? You could think of a a lot of things, especially if you... Remember when you weren't following Jesus, what your goals were. But now that you are following Jesus and someone were to ask you, what is your goal in life? A good answer would be, my goal is to love God with all my being and to love my neighbor as myself. That's a good goal. So Jesus says this. He's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 5. And he's also quoting from Leviticus 19 chapter 18. God was calling his people to be devoted and obedient to himself, the one and only true God. And while nations were worshiping many various gods, storm gods, agriculture gods, fertility gods, and other gods alike, God himself, the one true God, was calling his people out of that type of world to worship, obey, and love only him. Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. In the Leviticus chapter 19, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Meaning we belong to each other. and We have all been created by God. And since God values and loves his creation, especially humanity, he wants us to value and love all creation, especially other human beings, the crown of creation. So Jesus didn't just create a concise summary of all the commands, but he was actually quoting the Torah, the law of God. This is the greatest commandment. Now, this commandment is paralleled in other synoptic gospels, and the basic theme is found in John. But there are slight variations in every gospel. So this is a picture of basically all the commands of God, all the wonderful commands of God in very detailed form. And when you bring it all down to one, it still comes down to right here, the strength, the trunk. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
So this is a picture of, of what's happening here. All the commands, here's the greatest command. So Matthew says, this is only a Matthew, Jesus adds on, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So all the law and the prophets are here. And here's the one command. In Luke, an expert of the law states the greatest commandment. So in Mark, we had Jesus giving the greatest commandment. So now the expert of the law says the greatest commandment as an answer to his own question of what must I do to inherit the kingdom? And Jesus is the one who affirms his answer. He says, you have answered correctly. Then he adds this, do this and you will live. Now, in our American culture, it's easy to read the Bible and just think about the Bible and say, well, I agree with this. But Jesus doesn't say, I don't want you to simply agree with this, but do this. James writes, if anybody hears the word, hears the commands of God, and does not do what it says, he's like a man who looks into a mirror and forgets what he looks like. Do this and you will live. And here's John. John does not have the greatest commandment, but John does have the wonderful John chapter 15 passage where Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Now is that, is that a great command? Remain in my love. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. You see the similarities there. Abide in me. If you, can meet, if you keep my commands and abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love, you are my friends if, I, if you do what I command. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. So let's get into the detail of this. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, we could break this down, and I will a little bit, but really, what is, Jesus, what is Jesus saying here? What's the Torah teaching? It's teaching us to love God with our whole being. Because you could really say, well, these are all interconnected. These are all part of the same. Yes, they are. But you could get down to the nitty-gritty of it and just say, where are your affections? Where is your will? Where is your understanding? Where is your power? What do you devote those to? Here's a, maybe a helpful illustration. To be a great chef, love your patrons with all of your kitchen. What's that mean? To be a great chef, love your patrons with all of your kitchen. Now, is this a kitchen? Generally a kitchen. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Your whole being. But of all the places in the kitchen, love your patrons with all your kitchen. With your fridge, keep your fridge clean at a proper temperature. Keep your sink free of dirty dishes. Wash the dishes, get them out of there. Keep your dishes clean, keep your knives clean, keep your utensils. You notice there's a big theme of cleanliness for a kitchen. That is the biggest thing. Nobody wants to eat in a dirty kitchen. Utensils, 
Your food is not spoiled, but it's good. It's fresh. Your oven, your counters, your floors, all the things. This is the whole kitchen. Love your patrons with all your kitchen. And the chef would in turn tell his staff, here's all my commands. Everything that I just listed. Take care of this. Take care of this. All the commands of the chef are given to his restaurant employees. This is the tree, all the branches, all the leaves, all the fruit that's produced. But when you come down to the basic part of this command that the chef gives his employees, he would say to his employees, love me. Love your chef. And also love your patrons and guests. The chef, of course, follows that. He loves his work. He loves his restaurant. And all the other details boil down to this. It's a nice pun, isn't it? Boil? You didn't get it. <laughs> love your chef. Love your patrons. Love God. Love people. Heart, soul, mind, strength. The heart is the seat of your affections. It's what you desire, what you want. And what do you do when you find out that your hearts want things that you ought not want? Have you ever been that, in that place? I want this, but Lord, I know I shouldn't want this. What is wrong with me? Paul says that. What I want to do, I don't do. What a wretched man am I? What you desire reveals exactly what you truly love. When the fullness of your love is not directed toward God, what, it, what is it directed toward? It must be something lesser than God. And sometimes we figure this out on our own, not really on our own, but from the help of the Holy Spirit. Some people say it's your conscience. Some people say it's the Spirit speaking to you. And sometimes, how, like how Nathan did for David where he exposed his sin. You can read that in, in the book of Samuel. Like Nathan did for David, sometimes you need another person to come and expose your sin and help you to see it. Which really, in both the cases where you're convicted on your own, you're convicted by the help of another person, both are the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And giving your heart fully to God is a long formation, a long formation of learning and trusting in the Lord and letting Him shape your desires, your wants, your loves. In order to come to a place where what you desire is what God has to give you. Love the Lord with all your heart. It is the seat of your affections. The soul is the seat of your personhood. And when we get down to personhood, your personality, yeah, it comes a little bit from your genetics, what you get from your family, how you're wired. But it's also the people who influence you, and all that together comes with how you make choices in your life. This is your personhood. 
And you could ask this question, for what do I live? What do I live for? Who do I live for? John Wesley had groups of men meet together and groups of women meet together. They called them bands. And these were tiny groups of people, just a handful of people who would gather together and speak the true state of their souls to one another. One of the questions they asked was, how is it with your soul? And if you hear the word soul, you can think of all sorts of things, but really what it's getting down to is, what is your will? What is the state of your soul? What are the thoughts you've thought? What are the words you've said? What are the deeds you've done? What are the temptations that you've had since our last time meeting together? And because of all those things, what did you do? Get into the the soul of the person the will of the person, the choices of the person. Why did they ask this? How is it with your soul? They asked this because Wesley knew that if people voluntarily submitted to God's will, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. If they made choices, not strategically, but habitually make choices that glorify God, then the state of their souls would belong to God. And that the state of their souls would therefore be healthy and whole. So if we care about, if we say we care about people's souls, we are really saying we care about the choices that people make. And you may be saying, well, no, I, I think soul is just what happens when you die. Your, your body dies, but your soul goes on to live forever. Well, that's just, your, that's just an, an understanding of soul. But soul is, is the personhood. And we look at what makes you a person. It is all the things that have shaped you and the choices you make that help form your life. Love the Lord with all your soul. Love the Lord with the choices you make. The strength, your strength is the seat of your power. What you control and what you, also what you can't control. And don't you know all of us have control over our lives in, to, some, to a certain extent? And all of us don't have control over our lives to a certain extent. There are things in your life right now that you have power over and you can control. And Lord knows there are definitely things in your life that you have no control over. But of all the things where you do have power, do you give that to God and say, God, I want to use what I control. I want to use my power to, to honor you and to love you. The heart's the seat of the affections. The soul's the seat of the personhood or the will. The mind's the seat of understanding. Let's get to this one. Love the Lord with all your mind. Now, can you point to your mind? Everyone show me. Point to your mind. What would you do? 
in other cultures, they would not necessarily point to their brain. Some cultures, you'd point to your stomach, your gut. Some cultures, you'd point to your chest. Our culture, we point to our, our, our brain. Which just goes to show that heart, soul, mind, and strength, there really is no part of our body. We can really say the brain is, is the seat of all these. <laughs> but we're talking about understanding. What we view as right, good, what we view as necessary. How do you understand the world around you? And the amazing thing about this pandemic the last year and what? 10 months, it has revealed people's understandings of the world, people's understandings of authority, and people's understandings of God. And like it or not, how you have responded during this pandemic, if you look hard enough and and take time and ponder and, and ask the Lord, he will reveal to you what your understanding of the world and yourself is. Just simply look at how you've responded to this pandemic. Some people gripe and complain about every little thing and say, well, I'm not going to be told what to do. What does that say about your understanding of the world? Some people um, just trust every, everybody and everything. And uh, that, sh- that shows as well. I don't want to get too far into that but that's just a peek into the mind. How do you understand? What are the things that you read? What are the things that you watch? What are the things that you consume? The mind is the seat of understanding. And we can love the Lord with our whole understanding, even if we don't seem to understand. It's very similar to strength. What we can understand we give, to the God, we give to God, and we allow ourselves to be taught and shaped by God rather than be taught and shaped by culture. Now, there are definitely things in culture that are perfectly fine. Education is very valuable. And you are able to discern as a follower of Jesus. But there are other things that are taught in our culture where you must discern this is not of God. This is why we need each other. What is truth? Pilate says to Jesus. Jesus says, anybody on the side of truth listens to me. I don't know how I'd do in a world where I didn't have my brothers and sisters who love the Lord with their whole being, heart, soul, mind, and strength to help me in my understanding. I'm so glad I have you. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You can't have one without the other. There is no church that should say, sorry, there is no church, there probably are churches, there should be no church that says, well, we just focus on loving God. And there are no, there should be no churches that say, well, we just focus on loving our neighbor. Now, there are definitely churches that emphasize one over the other, but we hold these two together because we know that to love God fully 
also influences how we love our neighbor. When I married Brianna, I told her I loved her. She, you know, she told me she loved me first. But I responded, I love you too. And in our love for each other, it meant we had to love each other's families. My love for you means I love your mom and dad and your brothers and sister. Your love for me means you love me, my parents, and my siblings. When you come to God and say, God, I love you, he says, okay, you must love my family. You must love my creation. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. How do we know what love is? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. We love, why? Because God first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet he hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. That's pretty tough. He has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let me take it a step further. Jesus said, you've heard of us said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. You know why? Because even hypocrites, even the godless, can love those who love them But if you want to be whole, if you want to be like God who causes rain to fall upon the just and the unjust, if you want to be like God, if you want to be perfect, well, I'm not perfect. That's where a lot of Christians be like, ah, I'm not perfect. No, you're not perfect. You've sinned, you've fallen short, but that's not what this word means. The Greek word is telos. If you want to be complete, if you want to be whole, In fact, he doesn't even say, if you want. He just says it. Be whole. It's a command. The command to love, but also, here's another command. Be perfect. Be whole. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, is whole. And so the right question for all this, God, how in the world can I love you with my whole being? How can I love my neighbor as myself? How can I love my enemy I cannot do this on my own. And the answer is, you're right, you can't. You cannot do this on your own. This is of God. It's a gift of God. You can't earn it, you can't work hard enough for it. It is a gift of God to love. It's a gift of God to love God. It's a gift of God to love neighbor. It's a gift of God to love one another. It's a gift of God to love your enemy. It's a gift. 
It's by God's grace. It's God's grace. But it's also our goal. Is your longing today to be whole? How many times you think, man, I I just can't seem to love people well. I love my kids like crazy, but how many times have I gotten so mad at them or frustrated at them this week? (laughs) We don't make ourselves whole. Though we long to be whole, we become whole by faith in Christ, who took on flesh, was crucified, died, and rose from the dead. How else could you love your enemies? when Christ showed us what it's like to come down and become subject to his enemies, the enemies of God, and allow them to crucify him. How else can we be whole? We have faith in him, and his Holy Spirit moves in us and works in us and shapes us to be whole. To love God with all your being. This should transform the way you live your life. If you're loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you're loving your neighbor as yourself, where are you doing this, and what are you doing while you're doing this? And if you can answer these questions... You will, find exactly out, you will find exactly where God has set you on mission. You will find what your mission field is. Where am I throughout the week? And what am I doing throughout the week? That is your mission field. And your goal, as you are in these places, as you are doing these things, your goal is to love God and to love the people around you. And not only that, but it's to bring people along the journey into relationship with Christ, into relationship with his church. Discipleship as mission, it is where the great commandment and the great commission kiss. The two GCs. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. As you are going, make disciples of all nations. Jesus, what's a disciple? It is one who loves God and loves neighbor. As you are going, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, teach people. My commands and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. This is your goal. Where are you this week?
name people in your life right now that you're with this week, that you'll be with this week. You picture their faces. You, do you hear their names in your head? Do you love them? You, you may be thinking of people who bother you a lot right now. With God's help, can you love them? There is the disciple of Jesus who, a woman who is a missionary, she went to Japan and she met with a church leader in Japan. He took her up to a high place and let her see the big city of Tokyo and she turned to him and she said, where are they going? My, my relative, John Van Valen, told me this story. She says, where are they going? And the guy said, well, they're going to work. They're going to school. She said, no, where are they going? He said, well, you know, they're just going about their day. And she asked a third time, where are they going? And the guy said, oh, is then I got it. If we are to love people well, we must be concerned about where they are going. Heaven or hell? Are we concerned with their life? It's only then when we see people as human beings who are made for eternity, who are made for glory, who are broken by sin and destined for death, if not for Christ. It's then and only then that we can love them well and show them the love of Christ by giving them good news and bringing them good news. As you are going this week, love the Lord and love people. Let's pray. Jesus. Lord, how we need you. I confess that too often I don't care about the state of people's souls. Too often I care mostly about, about what I'm doing and, and how I'm living up to what I say I do. Lord, I confess that I love myself in the state of myself more than I love my brother. Have mercy on me. I confess that I love myself more than I love you. Have mercy on me. Lord, take us Form us. Make us into your people who truly love you and truly love our neighbor. Help us to encourage one another and build each other up. We bless you in Jesus' name.